Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It was a game no fans got to attend, but those who watched will never forget it. The Tampa Bay Lightning beat Columbus 3-2 on Braden Point's goal in the fifth Overtime, the fourth longest game in NHL playoff history. They exercised some demons from that four-game sweep a year ago. I mean, this game was so long, Steven Stamkos should be healthy by the time they reconvene. We'll break down all 175 shots fired by the Lightning, including 88 on goal. Incredible win by the Lightning. The Rays beat the Red Sox 8-2 to win their fourth in a row and still stay a game and a half behind the Yankees. And two Power Five conferences have announced that they're not playing sports in the fall, including football, the Pac-12, and the Big Ten. Will others follow suit? We've got all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Steve, uh, to say it was a a long uh, hockey game or a long night for you, uh, you were at Emily Arena, of course, with Dave Michigan and the guys breaking that one down um, from Toronto. I got to tell you, I mean, it was <laughs> – you know, I, I will say this. I, the Lightning needed to win this game. I don't know what would have been left of them had they lost, particularly since what happened last year and the way Columbus had their number in that four-game sweep. But I I really felt bad for Columbus too. I mean, it, no one really needed to lose this game as hard as both teams played. But thankfully, Brayden Point ended it on a goal that he said – he really just turned and fired at the net that he never really even saw where it was going at the time. Yeah, pretty incredible effort by both teams. And, and you know, I know John Cooper in the postgame talked about that. And, you know, just how hard it is to do, to play for that long and to mm-hmm. stay with energy and focused and, and particularly the goalies and, and no. Carpasalo, I mean, wow. I mean, he, and actually, you missed a few shots. It was 188 shot attempts. Wow, really? Wow. Now, that, not all of them went on him. I mean, 88 were on net, and he stopped 85 yeah. of them. Yes. Um, that's like a 966 save percentage or something, which is an incredible <laughs> save percentage for goalies, and he lost yeah. uh, after that many shots. But And Cooper talked about it in, in the in the postgame. What a, what a great effort, and there was no one in the building to watch it. Incredible. And what a shame. That, that game should have been an Amelie Arena. Yes. Game one of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Lightning would have had home ice advantage, which they do. I mean, they were the home team up there. That game should – what a treat for the fans that would have been to see that game. Well, now, yeah. thank goodness it started at 3 o'clock today instead of 8 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, the Bruins uh, had to be pushed back to tomorrow or today, later today now for this, 11 podcast, this mm-hmm. podcast. So, mm-hmm. you know, as I said, you know, I feel really bad for oh, – wait a minute. What am I saying? No, I don't. <laughs> well, they were sitting there watching. Of course, they were supposed to take the ice, and it got to be – you know, their game time, I think, was like the end of the first overtime or something like that. Um, so they were there along. They're not happy about it, obviously. Nobody wants to have to come back and play at 11 a.m. But, look, uh, this was a classic. This was uh, – and, and, and there came a point, and I don't know, you know, during the broadcast, at least on NBC, um, 
you know, Eddie Olchek and some others were saying, you know, there comes a point after three overtimes, two overtimes, okay, four overtimes, maybe there should be a way to prevent these games going quite this long um, simply because the play, you know, you would think would start to, to, to degenerate, that it wouldn't be very good hockey, number one, and number two, just what it will cost both teams playing that many periods, you know, in, in a single game. Um, I don't know about that, but I mean the sudden death aspect of playoff hockey is is fascinating to me. And you are on the edge of your seat. And it, if you're a Lightning fan and you didn't come out of that seat when when Braden Point scored that goal, um, then you must have fallen asleep because that was some riveting hockey. And and both goaltenders were great. Obviously, uh, you know, I mean, what what can you say? 88 shots stopped by Carposalo. I mean, I I've never seen a performance like that. Not to be outdone, and he was outdone, but Andre Vasilevsky saved that game for the Lightning mm-hmm. many, many times over. Well, and you, you mentioned that, you know, after it comes to a point where the play deteriorates, except it really didn't. It didn't, no. I mean, you know, and that's where that's what was amazing between the two sides is that, yeah. you know, yeah, there was some looseness at times a little bit in a part to the overtimes, but for the most part, the play didn't dip. I mean, it was just an incredible battle between two teams. Um, mm-hmm. Just... Uh, you know, riveting, uh, and and you know that's that's what you love about playoff hockey. Now, the toll it's going to take for the rest of this series. I mean, right. don't, for, don't forget, Columbus. This is Columbus's third overtime game since the restart. I mean, they had to play a best of five against the the, the Maple Leafs, and two of those games went to overtime. Yeah. Now this one went to five overtime. So, um, you know, in the fourth longest game in NHL history. Uh, there was one in 2000 that was about 90 seconds longer, somewhere in that range, mm. 90, 95 seconds longer, Pittsburgh and Philly. And then the two longest games that went to six overtimes, those uh, were played in the 1930s. So I don't even yeah. know if that counts as the same type of hockey. But Well, consider this, okay. Um, from the time that Yanni Gord tied the game up early in the third period um, until the game winner, Tampa Bay and Columbus played almost two games worth of hockey between those goals 110 minutes and four seconds Mm -hmm. and that's more than four hours uh on the real life clock i mean that that is that is a grind unknown to man and and i don't i i mean the mental concentration alone here's the thing you kept waiting for that mistake it never really came you kept waiting Mm -hmm. for oh a guy turned it over here comes the odd man rush you know what i'm saying that was never that was well, not, that's not how it ended. And the Lightning got two power plays yes. in the overtimes. And I thought after they missed that first one they didn't score. I was like, "You know what? Those are yep. usually the ones where you get that opportunity, you don't take advantage and then you go you go down and and they beat you." And, mm-hmm. and you know, and then after the second one when you didn't score again. And the second one if I if I recall the second one I think was didn't look very good the power play. It was pretty bad. Right. Um and you're just going, oh no! You know, you got two power play chances, and you didn't convert, and they're going to go down and you know win the that game. That should be it. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what you're expecting. I mean, in, in my career, I've worked a 18 inning, five hour and 47 minute baseball postseason game. I never thought mm. a hockey game I'd work would be longer. <laughs> well, it was. Uh, and how about uh, you know? I think the the Lightning had a lift, obviously, before the game when they found out that Victor Hedman who, of course, uh, injured his ankle in their final uh, round-robin game against Philly, um, was going to play, and play he did, uh, nearly 60 minutes and was, you know, letting go of shot after shot 
Um, he fired you know, 23 shots in the game. Yeah. That's incredible. Nine for of defenseman. them on net, but 23 shots he took. Yeah. And and just gutted it out. Now, he, you could tell there were times when he was not 100%. He didn't have exactly some of the bursts that you would normally see, but he played smart. He used that long stick. I mean, he he's just so good back there. Um, and then does so much, of course, on the offensive side as well. I'll tell you the guy that I, I I'm sorry, but I, I just he was to me, in a way, their most valuable player, and obviously had a big goal to tie it. But Yanni Gord was mm-hmm. throwing himself all over the place at 170 pounds. You couldn't get him out of the crease. Uh, he was willing to take on anybody, um, and he really brought the energy. Uh, to that hockey team, I thought, from the time the game started until it ended. I, th- I thought Yanni Gord was fantastic tonight. I thought Anthony Sorelli played his best game mm-hmm. uh, since the restart. I-, I thought in the round robins, he was he kind of disappeared some. Um, not that he played poorly, but he didn't stand out like you, you normally see him and, and you-, you notice him on the ice. You really didn't too much in the, in the round robin games for overall. Um, I thought he was fantastic. Braden Point took 36 faceoffs tonight. And won sixty one percent of them. Wow! Um, you know, I thought I thought he I, I'm, you I, you really couldn't fault anybody's game tonight. I thought Barkley no. Goodrow looked really good. Um, mm-hmm. I thought he was making himself you know noticed all over the ice. I thought Tyler Johnson played pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, I, I mean, you really can't fault too many people on the ice. I mean, when you get that kind of effort and and yeah. you know for what eight and a half periods, you allowed <laughs> you know two goals. Yeah. Um, you know, and while, you know, the Lightning had 88 shots on, on net, Columbus had 63. Right. So you played pretty well yourself, too. So um, just, to, I you know, Columbus, you know, less than 48 hours prior, they just wrapped up a series against Toronto, which included two overtime games. And then they had to come out and play this game. And then they went to, you know, the fourth longest game in NHL history. I mean, I, I can't even imagine how they're feeling in that room. Well, it's it's demoralizing. It was going to be demoralizing for for either team that that were gonna that was going to lose that game. There's no doubt about that, and, and the exhaustion is going to be even probably heavier for the team that loses. Um, but I mean, the effort, uh, you know, I mean, it, it had everything. You had look, Andre Veselovsky, as I mentioned, was terrific, but there was blood on the goaltender. I mean, remember he gets plowed over making a save. He's wiping blood from his split lip. Um, you know, this game sort of had it all. It was it was playoff hockey, and yet there weren't any cheap shots. It wasn't, you know, there was total respect between the two teams, especially when they got um, deep into overtime. And, um, you know, it, let me ask you this question because, you know, you mentioned it, it had to be – a it was going to be horrible for, for either team that lost this game, and you wonder what they will have left and how demoralizing what the carryover uh, will be. But – after watching the way Columbus played and and they played their usual style of you know stand them up at the blue line, um, it I mean we shouldn't think that that just because the Lightning won this game that this series is over. They've still got to win four. This Columbus team is a, is once again an incredibly tough team to play for them. At, well, when when you play defense the way they do, this series is definitely not over. I mean, right. look, you thought the series was over in Toronto when they were down. What That's three right. nothing and and came yep. back and won the game. I mean, you know, this no this series isn't over yet. Now this is a this is a gut punch for them, and and how they come back and respond. Um, I think it's you know a lot easier to get your rest and sleep when you win a game like this than when you lose. 
Sure. Um, but there's also no travel afterwards and things like that, too. So there's some things that help in that regard. But, yeah, I mean, you know, how they respond. But, you know, Tortorella is pretty good at getting his team to respond when – not that they, they didn't play poorly. No, they played tr- tremendous tonight, actually. Um, yeah. You know, you think about it, you know, 88 shots and you only let three goals in over almost three games worth. I mean, they, they – Columbus put a, a valiant effort. I mean, they got nothing to hang their head over other than we're down 0-1 and we just lost an epic game. Right, right. And I don't even know what you do like between periods. Uh, hydration, obviously, is your biggest goal here. You know, you don't want the cramping up to happen, and especially with the goaltenders with all the equipment as much as much weight as they lose during a normal game. I, I can't imagine what these two guys are going to feel like um, to begin with. But, you know, they – those guys had to eat something in between periods too. I mean, it got to be where, you know, you couldn't have had many energy sources. I, I was reading Diana C, uh, Nero's uh, story about it and how they were scarfing down, you know, anything they could find, you know, oatmeal. I mean, you name it. So Well, it's not like they could go to the concession stand and go get stuff no. too. I mean, not that that's where they go for food, but um, right. you know, definitely weren't planning on, you know, three games worth of, you yeah. know, we need energy in that. So, yeah, I mean, I, it'll be interesting to find out how all that stuff worked tonight. Um, yeah, you know, being in the yeah. bubble in the first game that went really long. So what's your confidence level now uh, in this series for the Lightning? Because not to be, uh, you know, the game itself was so spectacular and, and such a grind and, and, you know, obviously should give them a lift for winning it. Um, but but they did exercise those demons. I mean, this is the team, right? This was the the team that made history by – sweeping a President's Cup winner in four games. So, I mean, is there, you know, is there a residual here? Is there a lift um, that, that you know, goes beyond, um, you know, just the victory? Or, I mean, what 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 are we looking at with this well, Columbus team? Because I, I think they're still very good, as we mentioned. Oh, I think this is a very good Columbus team. But here's what – here's and I'll, I'll steal some lines from Brian Engblom who talked on the radio post-game show. And, and he said this for a couple days now. But Columbus is a team where they're going to grind you and they're going to play good defense and they're going to check you and they're going to be physical and lean on you. And then they're going to get late in the game going, we're good, are you? Mm. And he said last year the Lightning, the answer was no, we're not. You know, playing that style of game. Mm-hmm. and. and you know, Columbus, that's just the way they play. They're going to be in close games and grind you and say, we're we're good, are you? Yeah, this is fine with us, because, yeah. But if you look – I mean, Columbus played a good game tonight, but the Lightning the Lightning controlled play for the most part. They did. The Lightning totally. were the better team. Totally. No, no question about it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Lightning did what you're supposed to do, not turn the puck over too much. I mean, there's – you know, in a five-overtime game, you're going to have some. But, you know, for the most part, they were controlling play. They were, it was in the offensive zone most of the time. They weren't making a lot of silly, stupid passes that they'll make. No. There was a handful here and there. But took a lot of shots. They took a, a lot. lot. They were shooting on the net. I mean, yeah. the Lightning did what you're supposed to do. They were in front of the net, too. Yep. Um, they were they were physical as well. I mean, it, it wasn't a heavy hitting game necessarily, but they were they were battling in front of the net with Columbus. Mm-hmm. They, this is exactly the, what the Lightning were trying to get to all year. And what they said they wanted to change from last year, and that, that's what they were doing tonight. Um, they, they didn't get a ton of goals out of it, but they played the right way. And if they play this mm-hmm. way the rest of the series, they'll win the series. Right. I mean, no, they're 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 a different team. They're a heavier team. They're willing to stand in there in front of the net and grind with you, 
if they have to, um, if you're going to drag them into that. Um, they seemed comfortable. They didn't get uh, too anxious. They didn't make the long, you know, bad cross-ice pass that, you know, ends mm-hmm. up in the back of the net because it's a turnover going the other way. So they kept it on the boards. They got pucks deep. Uh, they battled for them, and they, they controlled the play um, almost for, you know, the entire game, um, you know, with very few exceptions. So, Look, this is a this is a battle tested hockey team that that improved its weaknesses in the off season, and that that really showed up. Now, you know they could at one point get Stamkos back. Um, I, I would, you know, Hedman played a lot of minutes, and and we know he's hurt. We know he's not a hundred percent. Would a, would a five overtime game like this one uh, maybe be too much for him? You know, to start. And I'm going to guess, Steve, that you know, even though you played, you know all these minutes if you're under Vasilevsky he's back in net you're not re- neither oh, team no, no, despite no. Yeah, despite I, those performances are taking their goaltenders out anytime soon no I mean I you know Corpusalo's definitely playing as long as Merzlikens is unfit to play he's definitely playing I mean yeah they're their backup goalie or they're kind of they've kind of had one and one a one and one a this year yeah. but Merzlikens is unfit to play currently so if he can't play you're definitely Corpusalo. but yeah no Vasilevsky's playing next game no question yeah um, and the that's good. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I don't think you're going to see any lineup changes unless there's injuries, um, right? Or you know, for some reason, someone doesn't respond well or something. But I mean, you've got the day off today. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I imagine there's not going to be practice, or if it is, it'll no. be a very light skate just to, <laughs> yeah, just to move the legs and you know, keep that moving. But yeah, I mean, you know, you'll come back Wednesday. It's a three o'clock game on. on or, I'm sorry, Thursday. You'll come back for a three o'clock right. game, so and it'll end about ten o'clock again, and you know, no, <laughs> no, no. I mean, I sat down to watch this thing, thinking, you know, hey, we're gonna have an early night, little uh, Sports Day Tampa Bay, say around nine or so, and uh, shoot, uh, yeah, we're supposed know, to have I'd... Tom Jones on to break down the game, but uh, he's Got gone. To bed. He's Tommy. gone to bed, so yeah, so he'll be jo- yeah. he'll join us tomorrow on the podcast. So right, he'll have plenty to say. I was texting back and forth with him and. Um, you know, I, I just thought it was going to end up like a, there was going to be a, a tipped shot, you know, something that was awkward, something mm-hmm. that ricocheted off two or three players. Um, instead it was just Braden point, you know, um, just sort of shoveling it towards the goal. And, and that's why you shoot the puck and, and he mm-hmm. hit a great spot and, and, and it was a game winner. I've never seen, like, there's a lot of celebrations in hockey, but con- to consider that that arena was empty. Right, which is which is something you forget about when you're watching from home because you hear the the ambient crowd noise and you don't really see fans and it's tarped over or whatnot. But boy, did that bench explode when he made that goal! Well, I don't know if they were just happy they won or just happy they didn't have to skate anymore. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> they I mean, go to it was yeah. I yeah, but I just think it showed like you know, and it, he was asked obviously like this is the biggest goal year. Well, yeah, I, I would say it is. Um, but it goes to it does go to show you you know sort of the tension they felt and 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 you know um, how competitive they are and and no one wanted to lose that hockey game. I mean, like I said, I mean you couldn't your heart kind of went out to Columbus a little bit and John Tortorella um, to see to see how hard they fought. But really, both teams were brilliant and it was a instant classic, as they say. And and um, well, isn't this know, isn't this the reason? The NHL, the NBA, name the sports have worked so hard to try to get back. And play. Yes, yes. It's for moments like this. Yep. I mean, this is what this is why we wanted sports back because yep. you never know what's going to happen. Who who would have? And I believe I saw someone put a tweet out that apparently before the game there was a prop bet of 
of Lightning winning in five overtimes, it was two thousand to one. <laughs> I don't know if anyone bet it, but some there God was a prop bet of did. that. So that's amazing. I mean, you know, but you never know what's going to happen in sports, which is why we've wanted sports back, which is why we watch sports, which is why we love. Yeah, we, you know, and sometimes it's heartbreak like last year with the Lightning, but tonight it was elation, and finally we won in five overtimes. Yeah, and it, it unifies the communities and fan bases. All, my wife said to me after the game, she goes, now imagine if that game had been played at Amelie Arena. Yeah, I you mean, know, well, and I was at Amelie Arena for it, although not in the bowl itself. But but imagine, though, but, if, if, yeah. if those fans got to sit through five overtimes and, and, expl- and the, the noise, of course, maybe it doesn't go five overtimes because they're so pumped up by the crowd, I don't know. But, the, I mean, that that would have been you know, one for the ages. It still was watching it on television, but that game would have been played right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should have been. It should have been. Mm-hmm. I mean, and although it would probably would have been a seven or eight o'clock start, so who knows what yeah. time we're getting out of there at that point. But, <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 a shame that that game wasn't there, although, you know, understanding why. and But better to have the game yep. than not to have it at home at all. Absolutely. So, um, Absolutely. But just an, an incredible game to watch and – um, you know, even and Andre Vasilevsky gave up two goals, but think of the two goals he gave up. The oh, the I first know. one went off Chernak and Dubois, two players. Yeah. Net. So you know that's almost impossible for a goal. And in that, the uh, Bjorkstrand shot was just a perfect shot from the wall, half mm-hmm. wall. I mean, you couldn't. He Phil Esposito said it. He goes, he goes, he could shoot that a hundred times, he wouldn't hit it again. No, no. You know, never. I mean, it was just a perfect shot. Those are the two goals that Vasilevsky let in tonight. That's it. Yeah. I mean, he's greatest in the world. I, I mean, you know, I know, you know, the effort by Columbus was phenomenal, but I still think that Vasilevsky's the the best in the world, and and he showed it. And and that's really why the Lightning should feel confident, not just for the rest of this series, but for the entire playoffs. Is he's just that good. That game could have ended on in just you know numerous shots mm-hmm. and great saves that Vasilevsky made, um, including the one he got the bloody lip on. So, you know, your hat goes off to him because he was terrific. So they take a 1-0 lead, and, I mean, this is, you know, <laughs> after all that, uh, you got to win, what, 15 more to win a Stanley Cup. So. I know the round-robin games technically count as playoff games. Yeah. But if you if you say they don't for because they weren't elimination-type games or, you know, right. the series were counts, that snaps six straight games that the Lightning had lost in the playoffs. Goodness. That's right. That's right. Game seven, Eastern Conference Finals, and then four. Game uh, six two, and seven against Washington. Game six and seven. Yep, That's and right. And then the four against Columbus last year. So. How about that? How about that? Yeah, no, it was a great win. And um, we'll talk to Tom Jones, I'm sure, a lot about it and get you ready for game two. By the way, there were some, some great tweets that came out, too, during the game as it was going. Did you see the, uh, the uh, seventh period stretch that they did? That was great. That was great that sight. was hilarious that the NHL did that. Whoever um, does that scoreboard there at the mm-hmm. arena does a terrific yep. job. I think the the Blue Jackets at one point put out a tweet during the game that it's good to see no one's left uh, the arena early to beat traffic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it was John Butchergras said we're going to have a vaccine before this game's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. They can all come home and play here now because yeah, yeah the problem problem solved. Um, COVID's not an issue. Yeah. Um, well. I mean, it was uh, really something, and and uh, I enjoyed all more than six hours of it, sitting on my couch watching that. But um, but it was fantastic. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. So we've got, uh, uh, speaking of COVID, and this is not uh, good news necessarily. Of course, we had Matt Baker and Joey Knight on just yesterday talking about uh, what's going to happen in the Power Five conferences in college football. Well, two of them did announce today after uh, their meetings that there will not be fall sports, including football, and that would be the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. And we anticipated the Big Ten, well, really both of them, um, but that has now come to fruition, and it's incredibly disappointing. Um, there's been stories, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, the president's, worried mostly about the health and safety of their players as they should. Um, and, and there are some that have, you know, developed, uh, you know, residual effects from COVID maybe, uh, in, in the case of that Indiana player and enlarged heart. Um, I think liability is clearly on the minds of, of these folks and just really the safety of, of, of all their student athletes. So the, the, you know, the big multi-million dollar question is, Will those other three conferences of the Power Five follow suit? It seems to me as they're going to take more time uh, and try to research this thing a little longer. They haven't said no. Um, they're certainly leaning to yes, and some have said they plan to play. Um, but what do you think? Do you think we'll see any more of the five Power Power Five conferences bail out now that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have begun that process? Well, I know I saw that uh, USF head coach Jeff Scott talked about the new Power Four conferences. Mm. which included the AAC along with the SEC, Big 12, and, <laughs> and ACC. But There you go. I still think it's hard for college to play this year, mm-hmm. and I hate that because college football, I love college football. You and, sure. I both, you and I both love watching college Absolutely. football. Absolutely. I, I just, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the university presidents that are deciding this, mm-hmm. and they tend to be more risk-adverse than – athletic directors yes. and the athletes and it's a shame for everybody it's a shame for the 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 schools and the 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 athletic programs and how a lot of these programs may get gutted over time it's a shame for the athletes and you know the whole hashtag we want to play and 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 look a lot of these athletes are going to be safer if they're at their school they're going to be in a better position if they're if they're at practice or in, in school and playing and all this stuff than if they're not and and, and there's a lot of truth to what they're saying and, and, and the points they're making. And a lot of coaches are, you know, from Jeff Scott and Jim Harbaugh and you, you name the coaches that are coming out saying, no, we need to play. We need this. Um, it's a shame. I, I mean, I know that the SEC is saying we're still – our plan is to still play. The Big 12 is. Everybody is. They've pushed it back a little bit, which gives them some more time. I, I still – I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I still just don't see – how college football? You don't see plays college football. Fall. I just, I just yeah. don't this fall. When, when athletes and, and aren't you being paid, yeah. you know, you know, you've talked about this in the NFL. You know, what if someone dies? Well, yeah, and we've already got. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, there was a story that the Big Ten that there's as many as ten players uh, with this condition, mm-hmm. this uh, myocarditis, right. um, with the enlargement of the heart. And if that's true, how many more might develop that as mm-hmm. as a you know, post COVID um, complication, and and I do think that you know safety is, is going is, is the biggest issue, and it's one where you can't listen to coaches, you can't listen to players, you have to listen to 
your doctors. And yes, there is a very big financial component on the other end, mm-hmm. not just what you're losing in terms of TV money and gates and, and the support of other programs, but um, the liability thing is real, but even more so the optics. I mean, what is the job of a university, if not for starters, to protect their students at all costs? And all costs means, in this case, the college football season and many other fall sports. And it's it's gut-wrenching. And, and I know that there's been talk uh, of studying the opportunity to maybe play football in the spring for these conferences. Steve, I don't think you can do that. And, and I'll tell you why. I, I, and I kind of agree. Nick Saban said this, and I know he wants to play in the fall. Um, but I kind of agree with him. I think asking players, college kids, to, to play you know full or even close to full football seasons twice within a calendar year is too much. I think you're exposing them to too much in terms of potential for injuries and different things well, like that. And I, you might I'm be. not sure who would want to do it. You might be, but you know, my guess is spring football will be shorter. It's not going to be 12 games. Probably um, not. And maybe next fall isn't 12 games either as a compromise for this. And too. maybe it I starts mean, later and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have that. And, and, you know, look, probably a quarter to a third of your roster may turn over. I mean, it's not, it's not all the same. Right. I, I don't disagree with Nick Saban in, in, in those regards, but look, ultimately it's going to be about money. And if they can yeah. play in the spring to salvage a lot of the money, which is going to save a lot of the athletic departments, then they're sure. going to do it. Now, if that means some players don't play both spring and fall, and you know, some, and then and obviously that some of the top prospects are going to sit out and prepare for the draft instead, that's going to happen. But ultimately it's going to come down to a financial decision if they can play in the spring and, and salvage a lot of that television money and, and hopefully butts and seats money and concessions and parking and all that, then you know they're going to do it. Yeah, and it would be interesting to see if some of the stars um, you know, agree to play in the spring. I think mm-hmm. the NFL would have no trouble uh, if they have to moving back um, the draft and, and things sure. like this, the combine. It, it's not – they're not wedded to a schedule. They they have one they prefer, obviously, but they also, you know, they also want to evaluate players themselves. And and, and you they, know, they like a free minor league system. That's exactly right. They're not going to butt butt heads too much with with yeah the the goose with the golden eggs down there. So you know they would be fine with it. I don't see that necessarily as a problem. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I mean, it, it's uh it it's tragic is what it is, and and this is one of those things that it's going to cost. We've talked about this the the actual cost in jobs, um, n- not just those that uh, work within those athletic departments that are absolutely going to be furloughed or fired or something like that, um, but also the economies of some of these towns that rely on, you know, those big weekend fall Saturday games that. Um, aren't going to exist at least right now in the Big Ten and in the Pac-12 and maybe other Power Five conferences. It's just gut wrenching, and I know some of the other conferences, like the Sun Belt, like others, are planning to play. You know, we'll see if they're able to pull it off. I mean, some of those some of those universities don't have the athletic budgets, um, you know, to purchase tests in in mass the way um, some would at Alabama and some of these other SEC schools. So I, I don't know. Um, you know, whether that's the best practice or not. And maybe in the end, maybe nobody plays. Or maybe there will be a few teams that that will continue. I don't know. But it's been hard to watch and um, maybe somewhat inevitable because we've talked about it from the start. These, these are not, you know, these players have found their voices, as as Joey and them said last night, and I think that's great. Um, but But they're not employees yet. They're not, you know, they're not really – 
um, represented the way NFL players are. And, and not every school has the millions and millions and billions of dollars that the NFL has to make sure their, their athletes are tested every day. And I don't know what happens, you know, when they continue to go on to campus and go to school and do those sorts of things and not be uh, in the football program. In many cases, you know, maybe they're not returning to great home situations or, um, or, you know, that as just a, a pure student, but all of that we'll have to learn together um, as we go forward. It's just, it's sad because we all love college football. We love college sports and I hate for other athletes and other sports not to be able to participate as well. And, and football finances an awful lot of that. So um, we'll, we'll continue to follow this story. If you didn't have a chance, go back, even though we, we now have more information, obviously with the PAC 12 uh, and um, the, uh, the big 10, Go back and listen to our conversation with Joey Knight and Matt Baker, which was excellent um, from uh, yesterday's podcast on, on Monday. Um, just really good discussion, and they covered a lot of the things that are transpiring uh, even today. So um, they were they were very uh, prescient in, in, in sort of their conversation. So check that out uh, on Sports Day Tampa Bay from yesterday's podcast. Okay, we'll wrap it up this way. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays four in a row now seems like just a minute ago they had lost what five um and now they've just completely turned it around of course with the winning three out of four against the yankees it's now five out of six overall because uh they went up and have won two uh, at fenway park where they hit a wicked fa eight to two win for their fourth straight uh victory and so you know what uh this is not the red sox year i think they're already about eight games out behind the yankees or something like that Eight, eight and a half. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the Red Sox can hit; they can't pitch. They cannot pitch a lick, and, and even when they had the lead, as they did two nights ago, they can't hold it down. Yeah, they're actually um, only five games back of the Yankees because the Yankees have lost okay. a few. I mean, you know, the Yankees are back to eleven and six. Rays are only game and a half back of the Yankees. So, yeah, I mean, technically, mathematically, nobody's out of it yet. Um, but you'd have to go on a pretty good win streak here, and of course, yep. you're going to have to take down take down New York to get back in it. But it. The the one play I will say this like when I watch baseball on TV now, like many sports, it, it doesn't. You know, I hear you know the ambient crowd noise and I'm kind of paying attention, but they got so much of it tarped. It doesn't seem odd to me that there are no fans in the stands until you see Fenway Park, because Fenway Park is unlike m- many places or any place in baseball, where of course it's recognizable instantly because of the Green Monster and all of that. Uh, but you know the the seats are on top of of the field. They're very close um, to the action everywhere, and you really do notice. It just looks odd because you you know Fenway is always packed, uh, has such great atmosphere, and and boy, it really shows up as as just totally empty when they were playing up there. So that was a little hard to get used to for me um, in watching the two games from Fenway. But good for the Rays because their last road trip, of course, they didn't win any games. Now they start off two and zero. Um, you know, they're going to have to get some pitchers back healthy, but the pitching has been fairly solid for the most part, and the bats have come alive, and that's what needed to happen. They weren't hitting at all uh, when they went on this road trip, and, um, you know, thankfully for them, they've got some guys starting to get a little toasty. All right, well, we're exhausted, and I know uh, you probably are too if you watched those five overtimes, the Tampa Bay Lightning win. We'll talk more about them and get you ready for game two against Columbus on the podcast tomorrow with Tom Jones, my former radio partner, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, now with the Pointer Institute. He'll be aboard tomorrow. We'll also talk a little college football and its future. So make sure you join us. We're here every Monday through Friday 
For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 